You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. Hey, good evening, good evening, good evening. How is everyone? How y'all doing? Great. We are doing doing well. You had a good day? Yes, ma'am. Mom was busy. (laughs) And I'm just now getting to a place of like, okay, it's nine o'clock. We got to get ready for Clubhouse. And I believe that it's going to be great every Tuesday night. We have wonderful conversation, um, great wisdom um, from from people sharing um, their insight from the lesson that um, we have prepared. So let someone know that is about to go down on Marriage, Faith, and Family with my husband and myself, Doctors Bailey. And check this out. Um, ping someone, let them know, and uh, it's going to be a good, good, good conversation. Waiting for the good bishop to make his way back. We're discussing marriage, faith, and family here on the Kingdom Business Network. Glad to have all of you with us. I heard uh, the greetings that everyone's had a great day. So let's get started tonight. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for all those that are with us right now and all those who will come in. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, who's our leader, our guide, our instructor, our teacher. You said you teach us to profit, which means to do well in all of our endeavors. So I ask for your presence with us tonight, for the wisdom of God tonight. That is also what we hear. We're made better. Our marriages are stronger. Satan has no entryway into our lives and our marriages and that you get the glory out of our families in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm looking at, I guess I put this, my picture here with me and Pastor Marcia. That's our groundbreaking, <laughs> our new sanctuary that we are building here in Columbia, South Carolina. I guess I need to put, I need to change the pictures, but Anyway, so y'all last week, again, welcome folks in and come on in. And I really want to get some, we'd love to hear from some people tonight, perhaps we don't regularly hear from, who give us some insight into how you do this and how things are working for you. Perhaps a question or perhaps a suggestion about how we can make things better. So we started talking last week about power couples. And I want to continue with that thought tonight about being power couples. I've said that uh, my wife and I, uh, Pastor Marcia, we've been married for 37 years uh, in a row to the same person. And uh, we pastor a great church, uh, one church in four locations here in South Carolina. And uh, our ministry model, or what I like to call our scriptural base, for our lives together, and, and particularly specifically with respect to ministry, is um, Aquila and Priscilla. The Bible says that Aquila and Priscilla, they heard Apollos, and they took him unto them, and they became, and they taught him a more excellent way. And so every time you see Aquila, you see Priscilla. Every time you see Priscilla, you see Aquila. They operated together. And so to me, that was an example of a power couple who they had a common mission, but they also brought, both of them brought something to the table and they worked towards some some common goals. Interesting enough, we stumbled across something that uh, Lady Jakes said today. I saw it this morning, honey. I showed it to you. Lady Jakes was saying, she was, I think it was, it looked like it was an Instagram live. And she was saying, um, you know, that even men today are trying to figure out how do I choose a wife? How do I choose a wife? He said, because so many appear to be in these, and there's one word, well, he said, why, why we got so many gold diggers? And she, uh, she said, gold diggers, or I, I'm going to, I'm going to even be a little kinder and say just materialistic people, people who want to come into a marriage or relationship with the man having everything already. Mm-hmm. And all, that could be on the other hand too. Well, in, with the potential to really don't have to work towards anything. It's just like a ready-made right. 
right. ready-made life. And so her, the point that she made, she said, whatever happened to building something together? And so, you know, we know the Jake story, Bishop um, Jake's and Lady Serena Jake's is very much, very similar to ours. Um, probably a little worse than ours, when I say worse than ours, in terms of what they went through in terms of poverty. And also, as soon as they got married, she had this awful accident. Yeah. And he had to help her and teach her how to walk again and all that. Um, and they came from nothing in the hills of West Virginia. And you see where God's brought them down. But they worked on that together. Yeah. They built that together. And so when you see them, you when you see them, you see them. Right. Um, I remember when Bishop and Lady Jakes were, um, uh, they when she he, he did the uh, something on Oprah on Super Sunday or Soul Sunday, whatever. But it was a, it was an interview that Oprah did with them. And they're sitting there in the platform at the Potter's house, but with the camera facing towards the congregation, towards the seat, even though they were just recording it. And I remember um, Oprah asked Lady Jake, she said, what is it? She said, what, what, what do you think about all this? She, she, said, she said, I'm just grateful that we're here. Mm. I'm grateful that we're here. Recognizing where we've come from and seeing where God's taken us now, grateful that we're here. And it's something about a power couple, and in the context we're using this, both of them contributing, bringing to the table and built and using your power, whatever that power may be. And we talked about that last week. Everybody doesn't have the same power, everybody doesn't have the same gifts, the same talent, but whatever that is, you bring it to this relationship. And as a result of that, we have more, we're able to do more, right. we're able to accomplish more. I want to speak to something you mentioned regarding how um, starting off and building your life together and uh, how today seems like people just want to have this ready-made life. And if it don't happen, or, or if it don't happen real quick, I'm out. Right. So I'm thinking, is it possible? Because, you know, today, especially in the church more so than it used to be years ago, statistics regarding marriages um, falling apart and divorce rate has, you know, equaled the world. Is it that maybe possibly there's no, let's say, work, sweat, equity in mm. the marriage that you built something together that you... Think twice, you know, when you build something and you work on uh, something, you think twice before you walk away. Come on, that. come on. Talk 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 more about that. In other words, we, we built this together and uh and so when you build together you have some ownership. Ownership. And as you, you use the term sweat equity in this, that it, that you're not so easy to walk away from what we have built exactly. together. And that's and, good. You know, and, and also you realize, you know, when you deal with storms that come into your marriage and or attacks that your marriage goes through, you you know, and you feel really angry and you're done, you start, you know, when you built something and you put time into something, you have to kind of hit that um, pause button before you kind of pull the trigger and things because you realize, is this um, warrant me walking out the door and turning my back on? everything that I accumulated with my husband through the years, or can I work this out? Hmm. You know, am I willing to, um, basically when you go looking at divorcing and separating, am I willing to cut in half my life? Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, you know, legally in most States, legally in most states, understandably so, uh, that uh, when people go through divorce, in most states, this is the case, especially more recently, that uh, whatever you have acquired mm-hmm. after the marriage, the the spouse, when you when you divorce, automatically gets half. Right. Okay. Uh, automatically gets half. But as you think about that, like you said, half is fifty percent less. <laughs> Okay, let's, yeah, think about let, let's be Come honest, on. what half means. Half means 50% less of what I have. What I've already had, what okay. I'm already enjoying, my okay. lifestyle that I've got accustomed to. Yeah, and so and so that that's something to think about. So we, we said that God intended, based upon Genesis 1, 26 to 28, that God intended for couples to be power couples. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, God said, let's make man our image. After our life, let them have dominion. 
So we're supposed to dominate together. That's what I want you to say. Those words I want you to see right there. Let them have dominion. Uh, verse uh, 27 says, male and female created he them. That's God gives two genders, male and female. 28 says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowls of the air, over every living and thing that moved upon the earth. So the command, the blessing that God gave was upon them as a couple. Mm -hmm. There is a blessing that God puts on a couple. There's a blessing that God puts on a marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, Peter says this, he says, you need to recognize your heirs together of the grace of, of life. Okay. Where, so, which means that what we accomplish, what we achieve, that the inheritance check, since we're heirs, has to have two signatures mm. and is made out to both. And it needs two signatures or it needs to go into a joint account. Right. Okay. Right. Because it, because it's made, because it's made out to both. And so th- that, that's what, what we're talking about. Uh, as so as we go further this week, I want to talk about, respect because in a power um couple relationship and again uh, we when we talk about power couple we're talking about people a couple that dominates together that conquers together that they both bring something to the table that they contribute what and remember pastor Chandler had something last week that he asked you it doesn't necessarily mean it's in the same arena Definitely not. Okay. Yeah. We happen to be in ministry together, right. but we operate very differently in ministry right. together. Right. Definitely different. And the the look of how we operate now wasn't always that case. You know, I wasn't, you know, with you throughout the day in the office or working in the office. I was working in the home. And then right. I, and I came, you know, during the times I could come. So it kind of evolves as a, you got to be, you got to be fluid as a power couple. Which we said, doing what needs to be done and um, contributing what needs to be contributed. So when talking about mutual, mutual respect, Proverbs 31, 11 and 12 says, the heart of her husband, we talk about that proverbial um, power woman <laughs> of Proverbs 31. And 11, the heart of a husband does safety trust in her so that he should have no need of spoil. She will do him good. She's a do-gooder. Do-gooder. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now, um, I've talked about how this scripture first became rhema to me, mm-hmm. be lied to me back in 1988. Um we had been in Maine for a few years. I was getting ready. We were getting ready to leave Maine. I wanted to leave Maine. I saw an opportunity. And we were going to go back to New Jersey. And I was going to start a church in New Jersey, 1988. Um, our church didn't start till eight years later uh, in, a, in a city and state that we never planned to go to uh, here in South Carolina. But I was going to, I was getting ready to leave. And uh, again, surprisingly, you didn't feel we should leave Maine. Um, you know, you didn't want to be there. You just... Felt that wasn't the will of even go back to New Jersey. And so uh, we had a, there was a service and my pastors, our pastor's pastor from Alexandria, Louisiana, um, I was, we were walking back up to the platform together after ministering to people at the altar. And he stopped me and I can't remember what he, exactly what he called me, but he said to me, he said, uh, you're going to bless a lot of people, but now is not the time. I said, huh? And I, I immediately looked at my pastor and the pastor looked at me and shook his head, no. <laughs> like I have not said anything to him because I, I have resigned. I resigned from my job. Yeah. I gave my job notice. Mm-hmm. I gave him the church notice. We were supposed to be going to New Jersey for a week of vacation. Uh, while ministering down there, gonna try to find another place. I think I had accepted a job. And then we're gonna come back and move. And, um, but the Lord said, through the man of God, he said, now is not the time. And I was just shocked because I just knew I heard God. And so I, the pastor was, the, the, the guest evangelist was staying with the pastor. The, the pastor the pastor was staying with him. We get home. I called him up. I said, can I come over there and talk to you? I went over there and talked to him. And I said to him, first of all, I said, when you said um, now is not the time, exactly what, you, what were you talking about? 
And he said, first of all, I don't even remember saying that to you. He said, but, but if I said that to you, then it's up to you to figure out what it was about. I knew what it was about. It was about us getting ready to move to New Jersey and he's, uh, and and start a church. He said, God's blessed you. His anointing on you. You're, God's going to use you to bless a lot of people. But now is not the time. And so, uh, and I knew what he, I, I knew what he referred to. I went back home and I remember praying. I said, God, uh, how could I miss you like this? How, how could I miss you? Like, and the Lord took me to the scripture and he said to me, the reason why I could miss you, miss him because I wouldn't listen to you. Now you need to understand I'm a young man in my twenties based upon my church history in this, in this relationship, I'm the head, I'm the man. So God is always going to speak to me first. God's not going to talk to you. God talks to me and I tell you what God said. That was my, that was my, uh, my image or viewpoint of how I thought things would work. And the Lord gave me this scripture, the heart of a husband, the safety trust in her. So there are things that I have to trust you for or trust in you for so that he shall have no need of spoil. The Lord showed me that need of spoil, damage, bad results. Things are getting ready to go bad because I would not trust in you. And if I trust in you and the God in you, then I would not have, I would not experience spoil, waste, disaster, decrease, etc. And then verse 12 says, she will do him good all the, all do him good and not evil all the days of her life. So I had to learn, the Lord would show me, I had to respect the God in you. I had to respect the anointing that you have. I, I had to respect that you can hear God too. Now, now that may seem elementary to a lot of people. And then some people, this is a challenge for them as well. I'm sure based upon your tradition, what you heard and what you think it means to be a man or a man of God or head of the home, etc. And so I remember going to God about that. And I said, God, well, um, how does this work? And the Lord said to me, there are times I will speak to you first, but there's also times I will speak to her first. He says, and when she speak, if she comes to you with something that that I have not spoken to you, he said, then you bring it to me. Mm-hmm. You bring it to me, said, and I will let you know. You know, as, even as I'm saying this here, okay, it's a, it's still a, it's still a positional. It wasn't necessarily a couple, but it's a positional power, if you allow me to say, mm-hmm. um, situation of Abraham and the daughters of Zelophehad. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, when Moses is talking about how they're going to give out the land and and rights and all that. He's adjudicating over property. And the daughters of Zelophehad said, hey, Moses, um, our father died. We don't have any, we, we don't have, and he didn't have any sons. And I guess the probably situation was they weren't married either. Right. Uh, our father died. Uh, we don't have, he didn't have any sons, only daughters, and we're not married. So whatever our father possessed, would automatically go to someone else, wouldn't come to us as daughters Mm -hmm. because the rules were that only men can inherit property. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, they said, Moses, we don't think this is right. And Moses went to the Lord about it. Moses could have said, listen, little girls, y'all need to stay in your place. I'm the man, God chose me, but he takes it to the Lord. And the Lord says to him, the children, the daughters of Zelophehad speak right. From now on, if a man dies and does not have any son, the property and his, uh, the, the daughters inherit his estate. Right. And now I don't know if that continued, but God, that's, how, that's what God said. My point is that if Moses did not have enough humility to bring that to God, yeah. he, he would have heard from God. Yeah. And so the Lord told me that I need to trust when you speak. Trust and if and if I don't hear it or see it, bring it to him, mm-hmm. and and he'll let me know. So in a power, in a, what I'm saying here about being a power couple, in a power couple, there's all in a Christian power couple, there's also mutual respect right. that we both hear God, right. Right. that we both that God can speak to either one of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, want to say more about that? Oh, no. Okay, so. Um, that, that verse from Proverbs 31, 11 and 12, the New Living Translation says, her husband can trust her. She will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now, I'm sure there's probably some brothers on here saying, suppose she does it. 
Suppose it brings me harm. Okay. So then you may have chosen wrong, but it is what it is. You all need to pray. You need to you need to understand what your what your roles are. I mean, wh what you should you should be both bringing enriching each other's life. Yeah. You should both be uh, doing each other good and not harm all the days right. of your life. Right. And if you're at that place, because sometimes it's a work in progress. You know, you have to grow together. It is through conversation mm -hmm. and um, understanding and maturity. And um, when you when you grow up in your marriage and grow up as a person, you can you can possibly put uh, put aside some selfish ways that causes you to do harm to your spouse because mm. you're thinking about yourself or what are you and, and what in what ways? Okay, let's think about it. In what ways can a spouse do harm? Oh, okay, let's let's keep in the context of scripture. In what ways can a woman do harm to a husband? Oh, when um, you want something material and uh, financially he can't afford it, but and you're putting pressure on him. You're putting pressure on it. You want un you want unhappy wife, and you're complaining, and you're comparing, and um, you can kind of just make him feel like less than a man because he's not bringing yeah. in that good. That's those those things you desire. Yeah. You know, and most men. Ladies, you understand. Most men who love their wives, they want to get them what and do for them whatever they want. Right. Even if it make them unhappy, they want right. they want to make them happy. And so, um, so and she can do she can do him, not do him good or cause him spoil if she's a budget breaker. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. got a budget, something we're working on, and it could work the other way around. Right. But I was using the context of the scripture that they're not work, not working with the financial right. plan. Right. You know, you right now your friends or, or your um, your counterparts they all buying these larger homes, and you can, you're not there yet, and you're upset. You you know unhappy. You're discontent. So you push him to get a home outside his financial reach. And, and and even though I still say, man, brother, 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 man, hey, bro, man, bro, man, bro, man, if you paying the mortgage, you got to make some decisions and you also got to be able to say no. Yeah. Those are tough. Those if are you tough pay the mortgage. Yeah. And then if you, if they both are contributing to right. it, you really got to talk about that too, right. what that looks right. like. Now, you know, I have my own philosophy about that. I, I think sometimes it's dangerous, uh, even though I know couples do this today. I'm kind of old fashioned. I think it's dangerous when it take when both are when when both incomes are fully wrapped up in all your living expenses. Mm. Okay, and reason what I mean by that is that so uh, you know we got a mortgage. Our mortgage is is three thousand dollars. You pay fifteen hundred, and I pay fifteen hundred. Or as Susie Orman suggests, you 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 put together uh, the total of your income and, and you divide in percentages. If I pay make seventy percent, you make thirty percent. Then I pay seventy, and I pay seventy percent of the mortgage. You pay thirty percent of it. Still, even all of that, my problem with that is that stuff happens. Right. Economics happen. Right. Um, Ukraine wars happen. Mm. Um, gas prices go up. Yep. And when both of your incomes are 100% committed to all your living expenses, one person loses a job or something or goes through some changes, you, everything's at risk. Yeah. So yeah. My, my suggestion of how you watch, operate financially is, is that live off one income, live better off two incomes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Live off one, live better off two. Right. But you need to be able to live, mm -hmm. push come to shove, on one. Right. Now, you can live better on two. But live good, live, live, mm -hmm. live, 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 <laughs> okay, live off one and live better off two. I think that that's just wise counsel. Yeah, I remember when we had talked about the power couple with, you know, our our congregation, our married individuals. I remember some individuals, couples feeling like, well, 
without a power couple. Because? You know, because it doesn't seem like we're dominating, that we're winning together. And I just want to encourage anyone, because you start looking at things, and then sometimes what we do in, in our marriages, you compare your marriage to somebody else. You compare your wife to someone else, your your, your husband to someone else. And, um, you know, when you think about a car, the, a car has power, but the engine's not on, the key's not in the, you know, in the in ignition, and until you turn it, then the power turns on. You have to hit the gas, right? So there's times in your marriage that you're growing, and there's going to come a time, you're going to find that wife going to find the key. She's going she gonna to be able to hit the gas pedal, or that husband, and the power, that, that dead car, or that still car will be converted right. into a powerful car. Have faith in your marriage. If God told you to marry that person, God knows um, what y'all are, are going to accomplish together. And it's just that you may not be in that season of operating in it just yet, even though you have people who are doing yeah. it. Remember, we, when um, all your friends were pastoring, you weren't pastoring. Right. And I know that felt very frustrating to you at one point in time, you know, but it did not mean that, you know, the purpose and plans that God had for you weren't right. going to happen. It just wasn't a season for it yet. Delays does not mean deny it. Right? Right, right? right. And so you can set some power couple goals. We want to operate at a high level of power together. Mm -hmm. We want to dominate. We and we we need to we need to work on this that we are able to work together and work with each other and not against each other. Still on that scripture, Proverbs 31, 11 and 12, the message translation says, her husband trusts her without reserve mm. and never has reason to regret it. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. And the point I'm making about that is that I think for top on the on operating as a power couple, you need to have respect for for the contributions of your spouse, mm. of recognizing and from spiritually that they are a spiritual being just like you are be a spiritual being, that they can hear God just like you can hear God. Even if they're not hearing God right now, they can hear God. Uh, and that one doesn't try to even just lord over the other from a spiritual perspective even. You know, I said to a couple one time who, who um, a, um, a young man kept saying to me, he kept saying, I tell my wife, I gave her this scripture. I told her that. I told her the word say. And I remember saying to him, can you be her husband and let me be her pastor? You be her husband and let me be her pastor. OK, so I want to take some time. Let's get some feedback here from our moderators and co-moderators about this whole concept of respecting each other's what's the background anointing ear contribution spiritual contributions um to your marriage which i wanted to uh, speak kind of to what pastor marshall was saying about like the perception of what a power couple is and i think about what's like what's going on like with March Madness and stuff. And like the like a power couple aren't isn't necessarily a a, a couple and just follow along. It it really a couple that are just two major superstars. It's people that partner well. That's, good. that's the point. Yeah. That's yeah good. It's like it's some 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 couples they just know how to partner. They just know they see a project and they're like, okay, you grab that part, I grab this part. They see their strengths and they see the, and they cover the weaknesses of the other spouse. And that don't necessarily mean y'all are dominating I mean, initially, but I mean, but I, I feel like a couple, a couple that partners well, they'll be, they'll dominate because they're maximizing right. their potential. And I, right. and I think that to your point about respect, you, you realize, okay, now this is something that she does well, and it's something that I need to say don't go with, or vice versa. And then I think also, subject can be some respect can be very subjective. So sometimes you got to have a conversation. Like when when I say when I'm when I talk to my wife about respect. Sometimes that need to be some like actual actionable steps. Like, okay, what does that look like, Jamal? And I, I mean, I could be upset or feeling disrespected, but I never told her what respect looked like to me, and by and vice versa. So those are the two things that, that when you were you guys were talking, just kind of came out to me. Like making sure that y'all realize that y'all are part, when y'all partner well, you're a power couple. That and is so. Also, 
That is so <laughs> yeah. good because sometimes someone could think, well, I got to be like a Beyonce and my husband got to be like Jay-Z and then we're a power couple. Right, you right. know, <laughs> and that is, you'll, you'll feel so frustrated and you'll feel like you're losing because you don't have that capacity. But you do have some strengths that will definitely complement and support and cover your spouse. And I think we got to think along those lines a little bit more. You know, one of the, one of the words we used last week, we talked about synergy. Mm-hmm. And the definition of synergy means that the sum is is that is that the sum is greater than its parts. In other words, <laughs> I'm thinking about, I'll think about my uh, we have a three year old grandson who came home yesterday showing us he can do math. You know, two <laughs> plus two equals four. And I put up five fingers and then three fingers. And he said, three plus five is eight. And then he held up a finger and said, I got 20 fingers. <laughs> he held up both hands and said, I got 20 fingers. I'm like, no, 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 you don't have 20 fingers. You got 10 fingers. But in synergy, in synergy, you got five, mm. you got five, but you put them together, you got 20. <laughs> <laughs> the sum is greater than its part. Yeah. Is that, is that it's almost like we are reduced mm trying to operate individually. Right. But we are exponentially increased when we operate together. Yeah. But we reduce when we try to operate individually. That's so good. And the thing about for some of us, if we depending on what type of home we grew up in, um being synergetic with your spouse is a challenging thing. Oh, you have to go ahead and use that synergetic. <laughs> you don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it looks like. In that respect, when you spoke to that, Jamal, I could honestly say it it was that respect was a challenging thing for me. I, I'm thinking if I'm not yelling at you, calling you all kinds of names, um, rolling my eyes, sucking my teeth, I'm respecting you. But the respect is, you know, I didn't realize that if I'm going to do something or I, and I just do it and don't even let you know that I'm doing it. And he's like, yeah, and, and my husband felt disrespected. I'm thinking, how you feel disrespected? You know, because I just did not understand. So that conversation is so important, especially when there is a paradigm that was not one of respect and and or one of synergy, complimenting your spouse. If you have a whole lot of independent people in your home, you could bring that same independent attitude and mindset right into your marriage. Definitely. Um, someone, uh, uh, Elohima, she, she put in chat, said, I've, I've asked my pastor what a power couple is. He said, there's no power couple. It's it's only grace of it's only the grace of God that covers them. I can see that it means you each have strengths uh that i think that means so, that support each other yes synergy they do have to remember that it is god that imparts these gifts w- without a doubt w- w- without a doubt Definitely. yeah i mean when we, we, the last thing we're doing is taking anything away from god here oh, my, my but god it's puts, the lord's doing it's the lord's doing it's marvelous in our it's, eyes it's, yes it's, yes god all of that okay. all of that um but it's so it's a matter of, of operating together respecting the gifts, the talents, the anointing. Okay. Now let me let me mention something about that because I believe you're anointed, and I believe I'm anointed. You believe I'm anointed? Almost. I'm not as anointed as you are. Okay. But anyway. Okay. Um, no, our, our anointings operate different. Different. Our, our anointings manifest different, and so there's a there's a common little joke that I've I've talked about because you. You operate in discerning of spirits, and let me let me give some uh, education here. Spiritual education. A lot of people think uh, operating discerning spirits means that you feel something ain't right. I could tell something ain't right with that person. I got discerning spirit. That's not discerning spirits. That's that's anything. That, that's any 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 believer ought to be ought to have a sensing of when something's not right. That's just the Holy Spirit. Okay, but discerning of spirits really one sees into the spirit realm through signs, through visions. It could be angels and it, it could be demons, but you see you into the spirit 
into the spirit realm. That could be in a vision, that could be in a trance, or that could just be God catching your way like Paul did. Like Paul says, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day where I was anybody, uh, anybody out the body I don't remember. But but so the Lord uses you, Marcia, in deserting spirits. And so you have seen demons. I've seen the manifestation of demons, but I have not actually seen the demon. You understand? I've, I've seen people be demon possessed and I can see manifestation of demon, but to describe the exact demon, I don't have that. I, God, God, doesn't use me like, God uses you like that. So, so my common joke is, okay, if you see them, you, you just point them out to me, I'll cast them out. Okay. Say so one right there. And I put my finger and say, I rebuke you. Come out in the name of Jesus. And, and I use that as, as a joke, just to talk about the fact that we can operate different but we can still have results together. Right, right. We can we can operate in different gifts, but together we get results. Okay, in that situation, in that scenario I'm, I'm mentioning here, the goal is that the demons cast out. That's the goal. That's the goal. So we working together, we come to a particular um, result, and we achieve something together. We achieve something together. I think we have a hand. Yeah. Well, I, I see we brought up Keisha on the stage. Keisha, your question or comment. Good evening, good evening. Thank you for allowing me to speak. And I appreciate this forum every week. I really, really do. It is so helpful. Um, in terms of just piggybacking off of what uh, Dr. Marshall was speaking about, I had to learn about different levels of disrespect because growing up, just, you know, both of us coming from different paradigms, I was um, in the mindset of, well, I'm not, you know, saying he's a turkey or, you know, calling these weird names or, um, you know, saying negative things about him in front of our children or things of that nature. But I found that it was other types of disrespect that I wasn't even aware of until it was brought, you know, to my attention. It could be, you know, just body language, it could be tone, it could be you know, so many other things where I think just because I'm not yelling or hitting or, you know, doing some of those things that we might describe as being abusive, that it was not disrespect. And 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 that was a kind of eye-opening to me um, just because I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing what I saw growing up, so I'm good. Mm. But I wasn't. I really wasn't. And so I'm very thankful for the teachings that you all provide for us because I'm still growing and um, this is so helpful. I love y'all. Thank you, Adrian and Jamal and Pastor Chandler. Y'all do wonders for me. Awesome, Keisha, now, Keisha, can I ask a question? Yes, ma'am. So when you came to, to that realization, how did you go about correcting it? Did you have a conversation with your husband? Yes, yes. And um, just listening and hearing what he had to say from the heart, you know, and, and him giving, you know, examples of what he might define as disrespect, not my definition. It was based on his definition. That was what was most critical, because if I didn't make a change in my behavior, mm -hmm. it, it, it just didn't matter what I thought. You know, mm -hmm. I could be thinking I'm justified in whatever. But if, if I didn't change based upon what information or feedback he gave me, then I would continue to do the same level of harm. I think you uh, spoke, Bishop, about rocks, boulders and something, you know, pebbles, rocks, and boulders. Right. Or, right. Yeah. And then also like the nail going in the fence, you remove the nail, but the hole's still there, mm. you know? So I just had to really, you know, do self-examination because like the, um, I think the book with power of a praying wife, you know, you, you think that you need to be praying just for them, but I had to learn, I had to pray for Keisha to do you know, for God to do a work in Keisha and allow the Holy Spirit and God to work on him. I'm not his Holy Ghost. I'm not mm -hmm. his mother, you know, <laughs> and I worry about Keisha, you know, so, but yeah, thank you for yeah. allowing me to speak. Thank you. I think this whole concept of respect and particularly with respect to how we speak to each other, that needs to, 
I don't think it's up to us individually to determine what that is, what is respectful or disrespectful. I think we need to ask our spouse. Uh, because you, what, what, when most of the time, if, if our spouse feels that we're being disrespectful to them, it's usually more of a man issue than many times women, but men can be disrespectful to women as well. But if we, they feel like we're being disrespectful to them, usually we're going to say, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting you because da, 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 da. And when I, when I, so what we're getting stuck in is our intent. What we mean is I'm not intending to be disrespectful. I'm not intending to speak to you in a disrespectful way. But the way it's received by the person, they can feel disrespected. So I think you need to stop and say, okay, okay, you're saying I'm that why why do you feel I'm disrespectful? Or what does respect look like to you? Or how can I respect you better? And get it from from their their standpoint and not just get stuck in our intent. Now, let me speak a lot about that because I often, uh, so many uh, disagreements and arguments and 10 times of fellowship to put a spiritual uh, label on it that we have in our marriages is because we get stuck in this whole thing of intent versus outcome. So what, what we want to change is the outcome. As long as you get stuck in intent, the argument is going to continue. So if if you, an example I always use all the time because it makes it very, very simple. If you step on my toe and I say, man, that hurt. And you say to me, well, I didn't intend to stop on, to step on your toe. Whether you intended to step on my toe or not, my toe hurts. Or you can even get stuck in, well, I didn't step on it that hard. Well, you don't know the history of that toe. That could have dropped a brick on that toe today. I could have had an ingrown toenail, whatever. And so we need to deal with the outcome. The outcome is I stepped on your toe and I'm sorry I hurt you, period. But as long as we get stuck in, well, I didn't intend to, and you, and you, you just got a sensitive toe, <laughs> I'm never dealing with, 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 the outcome of it. And so I really encourage couples deal with the out long as you, cause you can always defend your intent right. you, and, and your, and the intent is not usually the problem. The outcome is the problem, whether you intend it or not, we got it. We want to have different types of results right. and we want to have different type of outcomes. Okay. Oh, I was thinking about Keisha and some of the things she shared and that she said, you know, she had to change. You know, change is hard. Right. Change is really, really hard. And I'm, I'm curious, um, when you've been operating in a way, especially regarding your behavior, um, based on your paradigm, I, I, what steps or what things did you do to help you to make that change and to really make a lasting change? Oh, she went back down. Yeah, okay. she went down. Yeah, so that was a thought because change is hard. Change is hard. Okay. They brought you back up to address Pastor Marcy's question. <laughs> yeah, yes. Keisha, I'm curious. Yes, well, the first thing I had to do was not just take a mental note. I am a read, write, recite type person, so I did have to write it in my journal. Um so that I could keep it, you know, in my, hmm. my site, my line of sight, so that I know to pay closer attention because I am a person in particular areas that I have acute attention to detail. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm weak in this area of acute attention to detail with my behavior or, you know, as it pertains to respecting my spouse. So I had to write it down. I had to, of course, bring those things and concerns before God and ask God to search my heart, you know, see if there be any wicked way in me, you know, whatever the scripture um, that I needed to apply. I, I made sure that I prayed that scripture while, you know, in my prayer time so that I could be more mindful and have more conviction about 
if I did something which would cause me to um, reflect on what I said, how I said what I said, and um, make a, uh, what do you call it, a vulnerable moment and reduce my pride and apologize if I need to, mm. you know, at the moment. And um, yeah, so that's, that is very hard. It's very hard to, I remember, I think a long time ago, Bishop used to say, you know, pride never recognizes itself. So oftentimes, you know, I may not know because if you're so used to functioning away, um, it's very difficult to, to notice that you're doing something wrong, you know, so. Oh. Right. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And yes. that's why I was saying we need to, you know, try to see things, get our spouse's paradigm. Um, what does respect look like to you? You know, I, I was thinking about years ago, I've talked about this many times, uh, in the early days of our marriage, Marsha accused me, you used to say I was yelling all the time. He was yelling. And I'm like, I am not yelling. If I was yelling, you know I'm yelling. Well, all that, whether or not one is yelling, it depends on the volume you're used to. Right, right. Now, maybe in your house, you were not yelling. You know, for example, compare. Uh, uh, <laughs> Where even when I'm just standing flat footed and teaching, not hooping all name behind me, I'm not raising my voice, I don't have the hand mic. Mm -hmm. If you come in our church from a Catholic church, a traditional Catholic church, and just hear me getting up talking, it sounds like I'm yelling, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Based upon your background. Right. So it's all relative. It's relative. So we have to get we have to get it from the perspective of the other person rather than defending our intent. Listen to your spouse and hear it, see it, feel it from 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 their paradigm. Uh, here's, here's another scripture uh, from New Living Translation. I mentioned it earlier. First Peter three and seven from the New Living Translation. It says this: talking about this respect in in the power couple. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. She may be weaker than you are. That's talking about physically. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So, you know, when I read that scripture, one of the other things that stands out to me is that a, a spiritual power couple, you get, you get your prayers answered. You get manifestation together. You you praying you pray for one another, okay. Um, you you learn to understand each other, and you govern your behavior with each other based upon understanding each other's each other's needs, each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses. And then I like what it says it says she may be weaker than you, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of a new life. Okay, so. Um, I think the way the King James says that we are we are heirs together of the grace of life. We're heir, we're heirs together, and based upon that scripture, also that that's where I say that since we're heirs together, there's an inheritance that we can only get by operating together and being together. Okay, um, you know, a, in a in a power couple, when one is down, the other can lift them up. One's down, the other can in, can can encourage him. Uh, I often think about uh, Isaac when uh, Abraham's servant went to go get a wife for him. But Genesis 24, 67 says, and Isaac brought her into his mother's, Sarah's tent and took Rebecca and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Mm. So, you know, as a wife, she brought comfort to him during a time that he would have been discouraged or mourning or whatever. So, you know, in, in that power that we're talking about is not always or may not just merely be um, uh, 
that that power may not be financial power. It may not be educational power. Mm -hmm. It could be spiritual power. Mm -hmm. It could be power of prayer. It could be power to comfort, Mm -hmm. you know, power to, uh, to make the atmosphere lighter. Recognize what, recognize the things that your spouse brings to your marriage that makes you more powerful together. And don't compare him or her to other couples. Okay. Him or her to other couples. And once you realize what you bring to that relationship, your marriage, commit to it. Meaning this, I'm going to show up with my, what I add to the marriage. I'm not going to come in and out with it. Just commit to it so that you can consistently make progress in your marriage. You know, sometimes, you know, you can just, you know, some days you may be great at it, what have you. Some times you may not. But let your baseline be commitment to it, that I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my part because I know when I don't do my part, there's something lacking, there's something missing, and it's deficient. So whether that is as, you know, taking care of those kids and or, you know, making sure things are um, secure financially. We have to ask God to really help us to like to check into that, you know, especially during these days of the pandemic, you get exhausted, you become overwhelmed, you get tired and you feel like I don't want to be bothered. But I really feel in sense that, you know, when you don't want to be bothered, I think the whole time thing that we had before is just not the same anymore. Time is definitely um, winding up. Saying that to say, you know, let's, let's, you know, give it our best, you know, with what you have in your marriage. Just give it your best and trust God to make up the difference. Definitely. So someone said that we're interested to notice a single person's take on the, mm-hmm. on this conversation. Did, did, or the uh, what's your definition of a power couple? And did your definition of a power couple change? I would really love to hear from some of the people in in the room tonight, giving us some feedback, some questions, some comments um, on this whole discussion of operating as as a power couple. Well, there are hands that were up in the room. Pastor Chandler. Yes, sir. I have some thoughts. Okay. While we wait for some of y'all. And feel free to come up to the stage. Y'all can drop some uh, liners inside the chat feature in the bottom left side of your uh, phone. Or you can DM Bishop or Dr. Marsha any questions you have. We might have an opportunity to get to it. If not, they'll be stored for next time. I wanted to say this real quick. When we were thinking about Power Couple, I started thinking about the good old Chicago Bulls days. I'm not that old, but I grew up being a Michael Jordan fan. Me and my dad and my brothers, we would watch the Chicago Bulls. And I remember Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. I remember all the players, and they all were different sizes. One was taller than the other. One specialized in three-pointers. One carried the ball. Dennis Rodman was good with the rebound. And I thought about it. In order to be a championship team, I can't imagine if the center was comparing himself to the point guard, saying, well, why does he have to dribble the ball? Or what the point guard was saying, why I always got to dribble the ball? Nobody dribbles the ball like me. They knew how it feels to go up and down the court. And then if the center was like, man, I'm the only one getting all these rebounds. Look at all the, all the toiling and all the energy I put out just to get rebounds. And I thought about marriages. And I thought about what you all said about this whole concept of being a power couple and not having to be like, we, we brought up some celebrity names earlier, not having to be like a, a celebrity name like Jay-Z or Beyonce, but really finding out what does it take for your marriage to be infused with power. And I thought about it. There's certain things that I don't have the grace to do in my home that Adria has. There's certain things that in this season, I have the grace and liberty to do that she may not have right now. But we both meet each other's needs, or really, we're meeting the marriage's needs. It's less, sometimes it's less about our needs. It's, mm-hmm. it's about the family operations needs. And I was wanted to ask a question, too, but just share some insight, that maybe sometimes being a power couple has to do with you know, putting the marriage first and making the team work. And, and, and maybe it may not be a season for us to say, well, why am I the only one doing this or doing that and doing what doing what it takes to make the thing go forward? You know, so I just had that thought and when we were talking earlier. That's it. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think in in different seasons, um, you know, d- different seasons require different levels of power. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, if you travel internationally, um, the the plugs, our three prong plug or plugs that we have here in the United States, you need a different adapter when you go to London. You need a different adapter when you go to Africa. I have this thing that when I when we travel out the country has different different ones in it. You have to know how to plug in where you need to plug in and when you need to plug in, mm. and it's not always the same. So you need to do what you need have to do in that season um, of what power looks like for right now. And, and speaking to what Chandler also mentioned, you know, you have to really know the grace that you have what you. The grace that you bring into that marriage, and that it's about the being that team member, and that the marriage wins. Definitely, you know. And so, because you know, I, you know, you know, reading the question that you read earlier regarding someone mentioned that there's no such thing as a power couple. What can happen with people when you hear the word power couple? Immediately look at what you're not. So you can kind of feel deficient here, or like you're losing or an inadequate, um, something's wrong with our marriage because it's, you don't, you're not getting results or you're not dominating. So it's you, it dominating compared to a, a definition that what you might look like, like a Jay-Z and Beyonce. And the whole thing is about- Again, dom- this, and we're not just talking about right. financially right. and materially. Right, or even a, um, accomplishing something on a, at a very particular high platform level that other people see. It's about you fulfilling the mission for your marriage and for what God has called for your family and that you come together and you dominate in that marriage, you know, regarding winning in the areas that God called you to win in. And it may not be in a public way or it may not be in, like you said, a financial way. But you are a power couple. If I'm using my grace, you use your grace, and we come together, we're making it work. Exactly. Cassie, we have John up on the stage. John, your question or comment? Um, I, my comment was just uh, thank you, Bishop, uh, Dr. Marshall. Thank you for just inviting me to come up stage. And um, this this uh, this room blesses me. I like I I love hearing, hearing just the wisdom and the impartation from you all, from Pastor Chandler, uh, from AJ and Jamal, and um. Something that uh, Jamal said that really, really stood out, I wrote down, was um, a power couple is two people that partner well. And um, that stood out to me. And uh, Pastor Chandler made it very easy for me to segue with the basketball analogy. One thing I always think about when I think about those things is, um, like, he brought up the Bulls. I'm going to bring up the Lakers because I'm a real big (laughs) Lakers fan, right? So right now, when we we initially drafted three major players, you know, for this season, which was, you know, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, to pair with LeBron James – it looks like on paper, all three of these players should be set in to go to the finals because of the accolades that they've all, you know, attributed throughout their initial careers individually. So it looks like because they all had these certain amount of stats individually, that pairing them up should be a no-brainer. When you look at when you pair them up all together, though, the synergy has been nothing. It's been non-existent the whole year. We might not even make the playoffs. So it goes to show that we could be looking for accolades rather than attributes mm. they didn't have the attributes to pair up together they had accolades so when you look and I, I equate that to marriage it's like if i can't just be looking through the spirit realm just to see that she had this amount of accolades when the holy spirit might be saying looking at attributes that's real good that's real good um and so you know with that mind to single people who are in the room tonight maybe considering getting married, asking to be married, um, looking to get married in the future, here's a good question. How will this, per, how, not, not even, I, I don't want to ask it in a traditional way of, would this person be a good partner? Um, I want to ask you more specifically, how will I partner with this person? Or how will this person partner with me? How will this person partner with me? And I, I was mentioning this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I always knew, I w- even when we got together, I knew I was going to be in ministry. 
I'm not really sure if I remember. You you said I was talking about pastoring back then. I I don't even, I don't really remember that I was talking about pastoring back then, but I knew I was going to be in ministry, mm-hmm. and I knew whatever wife that I had needs to contribute to my life in ministry as well. Okay, I mean not not just merely be a nice, you know, as you used to say, dime on my arm or or or. or uh, feather my cap and someone who just was eye candy. I knew it had, and thank God I've got all that, but I knew it needed to be someone who can contribute to my ministry life and be a partner with me in ministry that that would not end up being a conflict mm-hmm. or we look, or look incongruent with me being in ministry, but having this kind of wife. And so I was always aware of that. And so everyone's not called to ministry, but you can just, you need to know yourself the Bible said, don't you know yourselves except you be reprobates? You need to know yourself what it takes to partner with you. Right. You, you need to know your weaknesses right. even to, to know that, hey, I'm going to need somebody to compensate for me here or, or, to, or to pick me up where I'm, where I'm leaning here, to strengthen me where I'm weak here. Interesting. I was, I was shared a little bit with you. I was listening to a, a live Instagram of a pastor and his wife. And um, she is, she, you know, she is not involved in the public element of ministry, or even some of the private element. Right. She's like, she's a. I mean, he, he is a very. Um, he's he's pretty. He has a, a huge itinerant ministry in in a large ministry, and but she has a job. She does. This is what I do. I'm called to be a nurse. You know, um, she comes to church. You know, and she may speak, say something, but that's not really her thing at all. He does not put that on her because he understands, he respects her. You know, she is, a, she. he's like, she's my wife. She's a wife to me. I'm not expecting her to do this. I'm not expecting her to do this. She feels like she's called into the medical field. I didn't ask her to give it up. And I mean, and they got a lot going on in the ministry. It's a mega ministry. And I just thought that was phenomenal because he was saying one of the things that caused um, marriages to implode, you know, is the pressure of, of that, you know, maybe that pastor or that ministry putting on the wife to be like this. And you got to understand who that spouse is. What do they bring to the table? Is this a natural thing for them or are you trying to make them into something or someone that they're not? You know, and that goes back to understand, you know, that my wife, you know, when I, I, you met into marriage looking for a wife to compliment you in ministry. Some people, it's not like that. They didn't go into marriage that deliberate. Life kind of evolved for them. And with that, if that's being the case, you have to understand as you grew into understanding of what God had for you. And, you know, and, and if you prayed about your spouse, God knew exactly what you need, who you need, and they still fit, even though you may be that person doing something that's very um, visible in the forefront. And you may say to your wife, who may be not that confident or comfortable publicly, you know, why don't you be like this person? Why don't you be like that person? And they may be there and they may get there in the timing of the Lord. But if they're not there or don't get there, it doesn't mean you married wrong. Right. And. And going back to what I said, if you're single, you need to know what partnership looks like for you. Right. Because, you know, uh, I, I remember I remember hearing a particular pastor say, listen, I don't need my wife to do nothing in church. Right. I don't need her to say nothing. I don't need her to be involved. All I need her to do is be a good wife to me, take care of my home, have things fine for me to help raise my children. and." And some people say, well, that's that's real tradition, whatever. But if that's the partnership that they've agreed right. and they right. understand this is this right. is what I need from you in partnership. Right. I don't need you to do that. Right. I got this. Right. But I need this at home. Right. OK, then that's the partnership. Right. And you have to um, be OK with that. Right. You know, and- so don't. So like I said, don't try to compare your partnership to someone else. What causes you to dominate is that you are being effective in what you're trying to do right. for your life. Awesome. That's it. Awesome. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs>
Well, thank all of you. Uh, Jamal, Adrian, Chandler, any final words tonight? No, this is real good. Real good. Real good. That's it. We pray that all of you have a great night. Father, I speak your blessing upon each of those who have been with us tonight. I ask in the name of Jesus that something's been said tonight that's productive and constructive. And as a result of us hearing that we make our minds to be, make up our minds to be doers, not just hearers only, building our lives, our marriages, our futures upon the revelation of your word. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night, everybody. If you love our podcast and the impartation you gain from it, we encourage you to become an iChurch member. As an iChurch member, you'll get access to exclusive digital content as well as an online community and various small group sessions. To find out more, visit rdci.info forward slash iChurch. Connect with us for digital impartation weekly. Join Bishop Herbert and Dr. Marsha Bailey on Clubhouse for marriage, faith, and family inside Kingdom Business Network on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash rdcitv. We stream live services on Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ladies, join us for Manifest on Fridays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time.